Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. I am so glad that you're back with us at Growing in Grace. My name is Victor Morrison. I serve as the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. And uh, it's always a joy to present God's Word. You know, Memorial Day is coming. It'll be here before we know it. And I wanted us to remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. In our church, there's a young man that uh, was a member. He grew up here in Columbus and was a part of our church, part of our community. Uh, he became uh, an Army private first class. His name was Christopher Kilpatrick. Uh, he was killed in Iraq in the line of duty on June the 20th, 2005. Uh, Christopher was only 18 years of age uh, when he was gunned down. And what's amazing is that uh, this year will mark 18 years uh, since his loss. And so I, I pray for his family. I pray for other families across this nation who have lost uh, family members during any of the wars. I know it's very difficult, but uh, Christopher Kilpatrick, like others, I'm sure, that were in his division and in his uh, regiment, they, they're living out the Army's seven core values of loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. Don't you think that there are some lessons that we can learn from a soldier? I thought maybe you would agree with that. So I wanted us to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. He wasn't a soldier yet, but this would launch David, who later would become the king of Israel. But it launched David into sort of a career that he would have as a, as a soldier who would defend his nation and defend others uh, from harm and danger. Perhaps you are not uh, headed for the military yourself. Maybe you have served in the military. If so, thank you for your service. But all of us face giant problems, don't we? And so I got to thinking, well, David faced a giant named Goliath. I'm sure you know the story that's uh, written in 1 Samuel 17. You know, there's different giants, different sizes, and so forth. I got to thinking, who was the world's tallest man? So I looked it up, and it was an American named Robert Wadlow. He actually passed away in 1940, but you won't believe it. This man was 8 foot 11 inches. He died at uh, 22 years of age, so he died young. But uh, probably the world's tallest living man that I could locate uh, is uh, a man named Sultan Kosin. He's a Turkish farmer, eight foot three inches. So not quite as tall as Mr. Wadlow, but definitely this guy is, is big. I didn't realize that in history they know of at least 17 men that were over eight feet tall. Goliath was nine feet tall. So imagine you're David and you're standing across the field from Goliath who is nine feet, nine feet tall. I mean, what would that be like? Wow. 
How do you even face problems? Well, I want us to learn from what Scripture records in 1 Samuel 17. The first thing that I think David did right was that he he refocused everyone's attention on who the Lord is. You see, the men of Israel were focused on the size of Goliath. But when David, the son of Jesse, stepped on the field, he focused on the size, not of Goliath, but of God. I think that makes a lot of difference. You know, when they saw the man, Goliath, it says that the armies of Israel fled from him and were much afraid, and perhaps rightfully so, because their focus was on Goliath, so their answer was, we can't. There's no way we can face this man. But whenever David got there, he asked this question, who is this that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 26. So while their focus was on Goliath and their answer was, we can't, his focus was on God and his answer was, he can, God can. I wonder if that would help each of us in what we're facing. Is there some giant problem that seems to be plaguing you in your life? Don't forget to keep your focus not on how big the problem is, but on how great our God is. But I think there were other things that David did. You know, his dad, Jesse, sent him to take a lunch to his older brothers who were there uh, fighting the battle. Well, fighting the battle is a little bit of a stretch, right? Nobody was fighting. They were standing up there on the side of the hill. Nobody was going down there. As a matter of fact, Goliath went out and challenged Israel, send me one man down to fight, and uh, we can save a lot of bloodshed. So if I kill the man, then you'll be our servants. If you kill me, then we will be your servants. So it seemed like a, an, easy, an easy offer there. But the problem is nobody in all of Israel was willing to go down there and face that giant. And so they were so afraid. So whenever David gets on the scene, he starts asking questions. And guess what happens? There's all kind of criticism. So the second thing that I want you to listen for in the next verses that I read, listen for how different ones criticized David, but they didn't stop him. And so listen to what he did. I think he released what the critics said. So first, listen to verses 28 and 29 at the critical comments that were made by his brothers, especially his oldest brother. Now, Elab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Elab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? So can you feel the the heat that he's receiving from his brothers? But that wasn't the only time. I mean, when he goes and he's brought into the king's presence, the king at that time was a man named Saul. David says to Saul, let no man's heart fail him because of him, that that man standing down there in the field. He says, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And listen to what the king said to David. Saul said to David, 
you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. Oh my goodness, such cynical remarks coming from the king. But that's not all. I mean, when he does go down there to fight Goliath, it says that the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Can't you imagine? I mean, this is incredible. Well, listen, if you have people criticizing you in your life, perhaps they're saying you're unreliable, you're unable, you're not, you're not even valuable enough, you're unvaluable to, to uh, be in this battle, then I just want you to release that to God and to, to move on to the third lesson we can learn from this soldier, David. Remember when the Lord delivered. Remember the past. I personally enjoy reading history. I love history. Do you like history? You know, the Bible's full of history. I mean, these things really happen. These aren't fairy tales and fables. These things happened. I think sometimes we have a generation in our country that are very confused now because of revisionists who want to go back and gloss over some of the things in our history. But it's dangerous whenever God's people forget how God has helped them in the past. Do you keep a personal journal to record the faithfulness of God? I love what David says in verse 37. You'll love this verse. To me, it's a great way of seeing how David, you know, because he tells the king, he said, look, God helped me when I faced a lion. I was trying to protect my flock, these sheep, and God helped me also when I faced a bear. And so David says in verse 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I mean, he was so convincing. And so I thought to myself, wow, may I never forget how faithful God has been to me in the past because that's going to give me fuel in the present for whatever I'm facing right now. I would say that to you as well. I love also how this soldier, future soldier named David, how he also resisted whenever fear would arise in his life. You know, verse 11 and verse 24, once again, they describe all of these seasoned uh, men that are in the Israeli army. There they are on the side of the hill and they're scared to death you know, verse 11, verse 24, these men aren't willing to, to go down there. They're thinking that'd be sure death, says all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Oh yeah, fear can really cause you to be paralyzed. But then verse 32 and 48, they seem to describe something different that happened with David. Because, like I said, David said to the king, let no man's heart fail him because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Wasn't that something? I mean, I thought, that's amazing. This young guy just steps right up there. And then verse 48, I love this verse, says, When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, 
David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Isn't that fabulous? It's like, man, maybe he still had some jitters, but I tell you, his jitters didn't make him stay where he was. You know, someone made an acrostic for the word fear, F-E-A-R. Someone said, well, you could say fear is forget everything and run. (laughs) Is that describe how you normally face your fears? But someone else said, no, no. Whenever we face fear, we should face everything and rise. I think that's what God would want us to do. You know, the Bible speaks against being afraid. Do you know it? It's amazing. If these guys are right, these Bible scholars, they tell us 365 times that God says, do not fear in the Bible. Wow. If that's right, I find that so amazing when you think that there's 365 days in a year, 365 times God's telling you, he's telling me, don't go through life afraid. You know why I think he tells us not to be afraid? Because many fears are not only unfounded, they're also unnecessary. I read one time that a former president of the United States named Franklin D. Roosevelt said this, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. I think that's what happened with David. I'm not saying that David had no fears running toward Goliath, but what happened with David was he said, there's something more important than me being afraid of this giant. And that is this giant is making our God look like he's so small and can't can't take care of this uh, man, this fleshly man, you know, and when God can take care of him. Well, there's a fifth lesson I wanted to pass along to you because I think it can make a big difference. You know, James 4, 3 tells us that sometimes we ask God and our prayers, even though we mean it, our prayers, he can see right down through to the motive and our motives are not right. And I believe that James 4, 3 is trying to warn us that we ask amiss because our hearts are not right. And so it blocks God's power. Maybe God wants to ask me and you, why do you want that giant problem out of your life? Is it just so you'll be comfortable? Is it just so you'll have a a pleasant day? Or is there something that has to do with God that you're asking him to help you with that problem? You know, David was asking all of the men there, what's going to be given to the man that goes and fights with this guy? So they said, well, you tell him that the king is going to give him his daughter. You tell him that the king's going to give gold and give him a tax free. There's not going to be any more tax against that man and his family. But, you know, this guy got to thinking about it. and He thought, wait a minute, gold and glory and a girl. That's not enough for me to go and risk my life to fight this man named Goliath. So what was enough? What does motivate somebody to rise up, to go into a battle, no matter what it is? I'm not saying it's necessarily a military battle or anything like that, but whatever's facing you in your life, what is it that would motivate you to go? 
I want to give you three things that I think motivated David. I think they'll motivate us with the right reasons, the right kind of motivation. The first one is, will you rise up for the glory of God? It says in verse 26, And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So you see, he was concerned. He was motivated by God's glory. That's why he couldn't understand why the army was still. But verse 46, David, when he's talking to uh, Goliath, says, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. It just reminds me of how we, as Christians today, we're not going to kill anybody. We're going to declare to all the nations of the world, Jesus laid down his life for each one of the people groups around the world. And so I couldn't help but believe, you know, we could be motivated by the glory of God, yes, but also by the gospel, the gospel of Christ. And then I think that the growth of other men that are around us, that are watching us. Listen to what he says to Goliath in verse 47. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. So I couldn't help but think, yes, he's wanting these men to grow in knowing who God is. I think that Whenever we're asking God for some of those kind of things, watch out, because I think God's going to come and he's going to help us to win whenever we're facing some kind of giant problem. Well, let me close out our time by pointing you to verses 45 and 46 and 47. These verses, to me, are so critical in terms of understanding whenever we're facing a giant problem. We must, number six, rely upon God's resources. You see, David went with a slingshot. He had a pouch with a with a bag full of five smooth stones, right? But it only took one stone when David slung that stone. But I want you to know he wasn't depending on the stone and the slingshot. No, I think he tells us what he was relying upon. I want to give you three things here to to wrap up our time. I believe that this soldier would tell us, you know what, I'm not depending on my weapons. Oh no, I'm depending on my God because he's the one that's going to make the difference for me, not, not my own strength. Look at, listen to what it says in verse 45. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So he's saying, you know what? I think it makes a difference whose name I rely upon. This day, Goliath, I'm not relying upon David's name and David's skill. I'm relying upon the Lord of hosts, 
That's his name. Wow. It makes a big difference, you know. Let's say, for example, if you were uh, if you were going to receive a check, would you like to receive a check with my name on it? Or would you like to receive a check, let's say, with Elon Musk or someone else that's got lots of resources? Man, a name, a name makes all the difference. What about the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the King of kings, the Prince of peace, the Lord of lords, the Lord God, the Almighty? Hey, it makes a difference whose name you rely upon. I don't know about you, but when I'm facing a giant problem, I'm not going to be relying upon Victor's name. I'm going to be relying upon Jesus' name. I encourage you to do the same thing. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He could have used any number of names that God has revealed in his word, but that was the name he chose. I think there's a second thing that describes what he was relying upon and when he was relying upon it. It says, I think it says, it makes a difference which day you rely upon him. Listen to how two times David makes this statement and listen to, listen to his faith beneath the statement. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I don't think that there's any mistake that God had that recorded in his word this day. You know, I think sometimes our faith needs to be current. I mean, we've trusted God in the past and he's done a lot. And David didn't forget when God helped him with the lion, when God helped him with the bear. But you know what? David also is saying, you know what? This day, my God is still alive. He's a very present help to those who are in trouble. That's what he says in, in the word. And so don't let your, your faith and your trust in God, your reliance upon him, don't let it be only in some past day. Don't let it be out of date. Let it be up to date. Let it be about today, what you're facing right now. God can help you with that. Well, let's move from how it makes a difference whose name you rely upon and how it makes a difference which day you rely upon him. But also, I think it makes a difference whose battle you rely upon. Are you trusting, like I said earlier, in your own skill to resolve the problems? Well, let's see what David said he was relying upon. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Wow, that's incredible. You know, he's just saying, you know what? This is not my battle. This is God's battle. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to rely upon all of God's resources. That's why I'm entrusting this battle to him. Have you ever just surrendered all of your problems to God? I think that's one of the calls to prayer. You know, whenever God wants us to pray about things, I think he already knows what we're facing, right? So you're not going to tell him something he doesn't know. But you know what I think he delights in is when we'll come and talk to him ourselves. When we'll come and say to him, Lord, I don't want this to be my battle. I want to invite you 
to take this battle. You take this battle and you win this battle. You know, uh, a lot of times in our church, um, I always joke about how my name is Victor. It means the winner, right? But when my mom and my dad gave me the name Victor, I'm telling you, I hadn't done anything. All I did was cry. All I did was take a breath and that's it. And so, uh, I mean, there was nothing else I could do. I was just a little baby. Well, you know, it's the same way whenever God gives us victory. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14, it says, you know, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ Jesus and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Listen, that means you and that means me. Whatever place we are, wherever we're going, it says he always leads us in triumph. But we do have to invite him to be in charge of the battles that we're facing. We do have to pray over those giants that are standing there in our way. You know, the giants could be someone in your family. The giant could be something about your health, something about finances, could be something about your career, could be something about your future. Uh, I don't know what it could be about, but all I know is this, that whenever David stood there looking at that giant, he just thought, you know what? I'm going to trust God with this, and I'm going to move forward and, and depend on him that he will take care of this one that I cannot take care of. A long time ago, I heard W.A. W. Criswell, who was at that time the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, he said, if I will do what I can, God will do what I can't. And so what I have to do, though, is give him, he was talking about the loaves and the fish. I have to give to the Lord the loaves and the fish that I have, the little that I have. If I will give him what I have, what I can do, God will do what I can't do. Why don't we close by praying for whatever giant problem that you happen to be facing? Lord, I thank you so much for those who are listening today. Uh, Lord, I just thank you that whatever it is that is the largest problem standing in their life, that you are much larger than that problem. I thank you that they do not have to face this battle in their own strength, that you want the battle to be your battle. You want to display what your power can do. And so please help all of my friends uh, with what they're facing. I pray you would help them to daily pray about their problems and not worry about their problems. Worry doesn't help us one bit. And being afraid can only paralyze us and immobilize us from taking any action. And so help us, O oh Lord, to go with faith and to run in the direction of the battle line, to know that God will help us with what it is that is standing in our lives. But Lord, we will give you the glory. We will give you the credit. We will give you thanks when you give us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I pray that God's blessed you. pray that God will continue to feed you from his word as you go through the rest of your week and the rest of your day. So God bless you. I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you.
This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.